Amen. Aren't you thankful his name will never be overcome? It's good to have hope, isn't it, in this life? Would you believe tonight with me that sometimes this journey down here on earth can challenge that hope? Yes, one of us, two of us. Uh, All right, I say that this life challenges our hope a lot, doesn't it? Um, Why? Fallen people living in a fallen world, and there's all types of challenges around us. Remember that we're going to look at tonight the fact that our citizenship is not here, it's heaven. So, of course, here it's going to be difficult. But we have the promise of the help of God on the mission. We've been looking at a theme this year, and the focus of our uh, time together this year, if God gives us uh, 10 days, 100 days, or however long of this year, is going to really be focusing on living the mission that God's called us to. And so tonight, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to Philippians chapter 3. Last Wednesday night, we spent a little time here. I believe it was last Wednesday night. Uh, things are kind of a blur to me sometimes, and so I think it was last Wednesday night. But tonight, we're going to pick up and uh, basically where we left off in verse 17. So I'm going to have to go back and prime your mind up for those who were here and those who weren't here, give you a little backdrop from what Paul said to the church at Philippi uh, that we looked at last week. And it had to do with uh, going toward the goal. Do you remember? Uh, he said, I'm not saying that I've attained it already. I'm not perfected already. And by the way, where will we be when we are finally perfected, completely glorified? In heaven, right? We're on a journey here. Now, in the eyes of God, we've been perfected in Jesus. But down here, we are being sanctified day by day. Anybody with me? And yet when we die, Paul referred to this physical body as a body of death uh, because we still have the nature of Adam that we wrestle with. Anybody wrestle with the nature of Adam in you today? Oh, man, that thing is something else. And that's who we are apart from God, the nature of Adam. What is, by the way, somebody asked me one time, if you had to sum up the nature of Adam in just a quick statement, what would it be? I said, oh, it's the I know better. I know better. What, what do you mean? Well, God said, eat of all these trees and bushes and, 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 and all these textures and fruits and vegetables and, in the garden, and, but don't eat of the one. Eat of the millions, don't eat of the one. And Adam's nature said what? I know better. I know better. And boy, what a lie that is. Somebody amen right there. The reason you went through what you went through today is because of that lie uh, that perpetrated in the heart of man. And so uh, tonight we're going to look at what God has done, what God is doing about that, all right, in me and you. The title of the message tonight is simply Consistent on Mission. Anybody in here inconsistent? (laughs) Uh, Let me ask you, what are some ways in your life that you're inconsistent? How about your diet? I had to start with that one because, well, that's, I've been a little inconsistent over my lifetime. Uh, inconsistent in your diet. How about in your exercise? Anybody inconsistent in your exercise? Uh, anybody inconsistent in your coffee drinking? Not so much, right? We're pretty consistent there. Um, a lot of different things we're inconsistent on. Let, let me ask you this. You ever been inconsistent on your pursuit of God? You know what I mean? Like one day, I mean, maybe a day or a season really hot. Really, God's the number one, and you're, you're pursuing him. You're going to wake up first thing in the morning. You've got to spend time with him. And then, and then something happens. It, it doesn't have to be something traumatic. It can be. But it could be something, you know, just busyness. It could be just sort of life unfolding. And all of a sudden, you took a few mornings off. You're too busy. Next thing, you took a few Sundays and Wednesdays, and you didn't gather with the people of God. And it doesn't take very long. Come on, somebody help me. To grow inconsistent in your pursuit of God and when you, listen, when you're not pursuing God, you're not going to live the mission. And so tonight we're going to dive into being consistent in living the mission. Paul talked about the fact that he's not attained it yet, but what he does is forgetting the things that are behind him. And he's not just referring to failures here. Now let me help you to see, uh, he had referenced his pedigree He had talked a little bit about the fact that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews, that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, that he was trained and he was an old covenant guy more than anybody else was. And so uh, he's talked about the fact that all these things that he one time thought was the goal of his life, when when he came to the excellency of knowing God, knowing God through Jesus, he saw all what he thought was gain, all the goals of his life, all the energy and accomplishments as rubbish. And he said, I forget those things. That's not the goal of my life anymore. Uh, I now count those as rubbish, and I press on toward the goal. Remember us going through, looking at that last Wednesday night? Yes, any of you remember that? It was last Wednesday night. Somebody can confirm that. Okay, good. I'm not feeling like a crazy person up here. And so last Wednesday night we looked at that. So tonight he's going to pick up there with that thought and, and go a little further with it, okay? And so remember the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi. Do you remember the occasion that, he, that the letter, the whole purpose, kind of the occasion why he wrote to them? To say thank you. Somebody said it. To say thank you for what? They had taken up. An offering, 
they had supported financially the mission of the Apostle Paul. Uh, I said one thing you and I can learn from the book of Philippians is that mission costs money. <laughs> we don't have to feel weird about that. We don't have to get all weirded out. We don't have to feel like, you know, we go to church and they're asking for money. You know, we just have to know. We have to settle in our heart, believers, that the mission costs money. And it did 2,000 years ago. It still does today. And so Paul is thanking them for taking of their resources and supporting the mission that God had called him to. And actually, they were joining that mission by giving. Isn't that interesting that you can join in a mission by simply giving? You may not be one called to go, and you may not can go, but you can support. So they've done that. And yet, we find a letter that is four chapters long. Now, remember, chapters and verses were added later. This was written as a letter, the Holy Spirit pinning it through Paul. Uh, chapters and verses added later. Why? So that you and I can go find things we're looking for, Right? And so he's, he's done that, and, he, and that's, wouldn't you say that four chapters is a lot of thank you? So we know what? It isn't just a thank you letter. It's also instruction, and because that's how much God loves me and you. He doesn't just say, boy." He doesn't just say, hey, I love you. He says, I love you, and I want to instruct your life so that you can live in the vein and the place of God's favor and blessing. So he's done that. He's writing to some things speaking to some stuff, and we're going to look at some more of that in detail tonight. Anybody kind of have a little more confidence now about where we're starting? You feel like you got a little footing on where we are? Boy, y'all are just sort of staring at me. By the way, what a good-looking group. Wednesday night, middle of nowhere. Y'all are filling this thing up. Thank you for being here. This is a rarity. I want you to understand this is a rarity, and I thank you for being a rare, strange, peculiar, weird people. <laughs> I went to church, and the preacher said I'm weird, peculiar, and strange. But I mean that. It's a good thing. You were designed by God to be different. So I want to encourage you now. Would you, I'm going to invite you, will you stand to your feet with me in honor of reading God's Word? As you're standing, I need to remind you of a couple things. Would you please share on social media? You can do that right now. Would you turn the volume off on your phone so that we're not interrupted or distracted, okay? Uh, Do those things, if you will, for me. Pray as you're sharing. God, put this in front of who needs to hear it because there's somebody out there that needs to hear this encouragement tonight that won't be gathered in or as the church, all right? Uh, Next thing is, don't forget, Sunday night, And if you weren't here this past Sunday night, you don't know about this information. And I would start by saying, hey, I'm sorry that I haven't told you before now, but but God didn't tell me till Sunday afternoon. And so I can't I can't make myself apologize for what God said do and when he said do it. So this Sunday night, does anybody know what we're doing something special this Sunday night? How many of you knew something that we're going to do something special? Just raise your hand if you knew that already. Okay, wow. All right, so that information flows pretty good from just uh, that quick. But help spread that word. And so Sunday night, uh, we're going to have a time. I'm, I'm calling it the Mission Buffet. And so what that means, somebody said, Buffet, I'm in. Uh, and that's why I use that word. <laughs> but but uh, we're not going to be serving food. But what we're going to do is put a buffet before you of the ministries of Hickory Ridge And so that you can listen attentively, at the end we're going to break up in little groups where the leaders of those particular ministries are going to be, and you can go hear a little bit more. If you're interested, you can can find a way to get plugged in. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me and said, I'm so excited about this. I've been waiting for this for a long time. So I expect every one of at least you guys to be there, okay? And then I pray that you will help spread the word and challenge your faith family to be a part of that. Because if we'll all get on board, if we'll all find our place, there's no telling what God's going to do through us and in us this year. Okay, we good? Everybody good? All right, let's begin our time in the Word. Philippians chapter number 3, beginning in verse 17. Now, remember, we just left. I pressed toward the goal. I leave those things behind. Uh, uh, We're leaving that. And he picks up with, in verse 17, Brethren, uh, join in following my example. And note those who so walk. As you have us for, y'all say the word with me, a, a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly, oh, does that sound like Sunday night to you? who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. You are not going to be an angel. Hallelujah. You're going to be transformed into the glorious body of the image of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the working by which he, Jesus, is able to subdue which things? All things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. 
I implore Yodia and I implore Sintaichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. When? Again I say, help me. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Oh, that sounds like music to my ears. Uh, Let's pause for just a brief word of prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? God, thank you so much for these people. I'm amazed how many of them keep showing up out here in the middle of nowhere. And it reminds me that your people are hungry for your word. I thank you for all the people serving right now, security, media, those that are teaching the Bible to our children, to our youth, those that are serving and watching and helping support all those ministries uh, that, that make possible now for the preaching and teaching of your word. And God, I pray now you prepare our hearts. And Lord, as you prepare our hearts, I pray tonight you would help me deliver this message in a timely, concise, to the point uh, way that it is your words and not my own. So help me to preach. And, Lord, as you help me preach, help me also to listen. God, I pray that for every person within the sound of my voice, help us to listen. We've, we're, we're, we're living in a day and time when people have lost the ability to listen. So please, tune our attention to your voice, not mine. Lord, tune our ears to you, tune our attentions and affections to you. And, God, may it be as if you are speaking to each one of us individually right where we're seated. We thank you in advance. You've done it so many times before. Do it again. Do it again, God. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen, amen, Amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, what I want to do tonight, if I can, is to rewind back to where we started in verse number 17. And I want to give you, if I can, and the title is Consistent on Mission. And the main idea of the passage is simply three words. What would you all do last night? We went to church. Y'all went to church on Wednesday night? Yeah. Uh, was that over by, you know, the, the, the city where you live? No, no, we drove out in the middle of nowhere. And, 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 there, and I had to wait in line to get in the parking lot. And, it, and it's just God's just doing work. And this is what I learned. Here it is, main idea. Hold your ground. Hold your ground. Oh, outlines. Thank you, Shane. Um, is does everybody have an outline tonight? If you don't, would you slip your hand up? We'll make sure that we get one to you. Okay, we got a few all around. So if y'all will help us, kind of disperse around a little bit, maybe, and and uh, get those handed out. Will somebody help Shane with that because we'll have some on this side of the room, and nobody will help Shane with that. That's all right. Shane will just do it by himself. Y'all just watch Shane. All right, this will be fun. <laughs> it's fun, and we have fun together. We do. So thank y'all for taking care of that. Anybody that didn't have it, all right, raise your hand if you don't. If you need one, still, all right. We need one down front. Thank y'all for helping, Shane. Amen. Yeah, it's teamwork. All right, you'll get one up here. You got one? Okay. All right, everybody got one? All right, good. That's going to help you listen and be a little easier for you to fill in the blanks. Look, look with me if you will. hold your ground. Would you agree with me? We're living in a day and time when people get pushed off of the mark very easily. What I mean is, uh, one day they may seem very consistent and on mission and up close to God and walking with Jesus, and then something happens. They get COVID. Uh, somebody in their family dies, or they have tr- vehicle trouble. I'm telling you, it, it's all kind of reasons that we get pushed off of consistently following Jesus and serving Him. Would you agree? Do you think that's accurate about about our day and time? Yes. Um, so, what does He say to us about being consistent? How's He going to help us? So, hold your ground. Let me show you where it says it. All right, Roman number one, and there are going to be three of these. Well, you see that? I don't have to tell you that ahead of time. Number one in your notes there is going to be verses 17 to 21. Now, we're going to break that down, one, two, and A and B. Now, some of you are sad because you're not going to use your color-coded markers, right? Uh, But you can maybe just draw a line out to the side of those and keep them separated in your mind. All right, here it is. Choose some living examples to follow. Uh, The first thing that Paul says to them is, as he says, the the mission of my, I'm not not writing to you as a man who has perfectly attained it. That's what he tells them, and, and just a little further back. He says, but what I do, one thing I do, I forget what's behind, and I press on toward the goal, right? And, and as he says that now, uh, I, he wants to piggyback that and say, here's how you do the same thing. Here's how you press on. Here's how you hold your ground. Here's how you stand fast. Stand fast, hold your ground, same thing. First, he says in verse number 17, uh, you have me for an example, and you have other people for a pattern, okay? So right now, choose some living examples to follow. Do you know that it's easier for me and you 
uh, to do something if somebody shows us how first. <clears throat> All through my life, I, uh, I enjoy lecture. I do, well, uh, okay, I may not be that, that may, maybe that wasn't completely honest. Um, but I, I enjoy some lecture, but I really enjoy when someone's able to say, hey, Terry, I know I told you how to do that, but let me show you. I do a lot better when someone says, let me show you how to do that. And so that's what he's saying to them. Look in verse 17. Brethren, join in following, what does he say? My example. Now, wouldn't you agree with me that that's a pretty bold thing to be able to say to somebody, to look at your coworker, to look at your child, to look at your spouse, to look at your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and be able to say to them, you watch my life and you follow the example that I'm setting. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but that is a... A profound statement. And Paul doesn't just, he doesn't shrink back from that. He doesn't, it's not the only place he says it. Matter of fact, there's a place in the scripture where he says, listen to this wording, imitate me as I imitate Christ. <clears throat> so can, can you imagine living your life in such a way that you're able to look at your child or your spouse or your coworker or your boss or those people that work for you, your, 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 your patients, customers, clients, and say, hey, listen, if you'll just watch my life and, and do what I do, you'll be walking close with Jesus. Have mercy. I don't know about you guys, but i got a ways to go. And I would say that for us in here, we would, we'd say on the journey, as we've been walking with Jesus, we say the Christian life is a process, right? Little by little, he's transforming us. And so hopefully, hopefully, there are more areas in my life now that I could say to you, hey, look at these areas of my life. And you, you, if you follow these examples, you'll do well. Uh, but there's still some areas in my life that I I'm, I'm, I'm have to be a little reluctant to say, now look, don't, don't act like me right here. <laughs> Don't act like me when I get hungry. That's not a good example for you to follow, right? And, and, and so he says, you have this, you, you've got me an example. Follow my example. Now, here's the challenge. The challenge is to draw so close to God that he's producing the nature of Christ in me, right? We talked about the fruits of the Spirit in such a way that we are able to say to people, hey, come alongside me. I want to I pour into you. I want to disciple. I want to disciple you. I wanna, and we're able to say, uh, you, I'm going to teach you how to pray because this is how what God's taught me how to pray. And we're living an example that's worth following, okay? That's not a time to get beat up, look down, but, but to really just sort of say, God, help me, because we can't do it, help me to live an example worth following. So I wonder if, if everybody at Hickory Ridge prayed like you prayed, uh, what would be accomplished in the world today? If everybody at Hickory Ridge gave like you give for your time, talent, and treasure, what would be accomplished in the world today? If everybody uh, attended faithfully, uh, our gatherings, uh, both to learn th from the preached Word of God, but also to be there to encourage and serve somebody else, how much learning and serving would be done. You, you see, there's a lot of application here to living an example. But Paul says you got this. So, so notice in your Roman number one, choose some living examples. So Paul says, brethren, join in. Come on. Here's what he's saying. Listen, it sounds something like this in country board time. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Come on, let's get on board. And that's what, I, boy, you're talking about Sunday. I'm going to be come on, y'all. You, you. Come on, y'all. We got so many opportunities. We got so many people, but there's been a disconnect between all the opportunities and all the people. And we've been praying, and I believe the timing is just right. And God's going to marry. He's going to marry the people with the opportunities. And we're about to see the move of God like we've never seen before. But you're going to, in order to stay consistent, not just be hot and meet, join in and sign up and, and make two ministry events. Uh, you, you're going to have to choose some people that are good examples for you to watch and to follow their lead. How do you know that? Listen, brethren, join in following my example. And listen to what he says in verse 17. And note those who so walk. So not only am I going to have to, to look at Paul's life in this context, uh, he's telling them, don't, don't just come on, but he's saying, find you some other. Note means to take a mental note about something. By the way, did you know that you're constantly making mental notes about people? You already are. So what he's saying is, take some mental notes, make some notes in your heart about those people that you see. Not perfect people, there are no such of a thing. But make some note of those people who you see who really are striving to live for Jesus, who really are striving to let the nature of Jesus be produced in them by the power of the Spirit and then expressed through the mission, living the mission to reach, seek and save that which was lost. And there's a lot of different ways to do that, okay? So we're choosing some examples. You've got to find some people. And I would add to that, be an example because they're few and far between. We need more examples of consistent service, consistent follow of Jesus so that people can say, you know what, I want to be like so-and-so because he or she is like, come on, say his name, Jesus. 
I see Jesus in them. You know, greatest compliment you could ever get is not how long curly your hair is or how big your muscles are. You know, the strongest compliment you could ever get is that if somebody sees Jesus in you. Wow. Choose some living examples to follow. Number one. Now, now, so he says you've got to choose some people to follow. But now in verses 18 and 19, number one, in Roman, under Roman number one, I need you to see this. Not everyone. Here's what he's going to make a point here. He said you've got to make a note. You've got to take notes on people. Oh. Uh, did you know then that, that to take notes on people means that in your mind, in your heart, you're going to be judging folks. I'm glad you're sitting down. Some of y'all shocked, almost passed out right there. I thought we're not supposed to judge each other. No, Paul said don't judge those outside the church, but those who claim to be brothers and sisters, you've got to judge them. But you don't judge them for condemnation. In other words, oh, that one's going to hell and that one's going to hell and that one's going to hell. No, no. You judge for edification. Edification means building up. So if I'm going to survey, I've got to make some notes. I've got to judge, ooh, mm, that don't really look like Jesus. Ooh, gosh, look how harsh they are. Mm, no, they're not very gentle. And so we're, we're making mental notes not to condemn or to put people down, but to say, okay, that's somebody who I want to mimic because I see Jesus in them. And I want to be more like Jesus. And listen, who you surround yourself with, you will become like. Let me run that by you again. Who you surround yourself with, you will become like. You and I want people around us that challenge us to go higher in the faith, to get closer to Jesus. And so, not now, listen to what he makes in verse 18 and 19. Number one, under Roman number one, not everybody, not everyone is living the mission. Did you know that? Is that surprising to you? No? Not everyone is living the mission. Verse 18 and 19. You write, I'll read. Is that okay? All right, good. Verse 18, for many walk... Of whom I have told you often. So Paul said, I've been telling you a whole lot about this certain group of people. And now I'm telling you, he's not mad, he's not condemning them, but what is he doing? He's weeping. What is it, what, why do you cry over somebody else's circumstance? It's a broken heart. He, he has a broken heart about the spiritual condition of some who claim to be the church, right? So he says, I tell you a lot of these uh, often, and now I'm telling you even weeping that they, this, this, uh, there's not everybody's living the mission, that they are the, and listen to this, listen to the way he describes them. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Man, I, I don't know about you, but I, it, it, my heart's pricked just thinking about being titled that way. And, and I've been titled a lot of things, have you? I've been stereotyped. I've been titled. We've all, I think we all have. But I don't know that anybody's ever just said about me, you know, he's an enemy of the cross of Christ. I don't, I, as I said a minute ago, the, one of the greatest compliments that could ever be made about you is that people see Jesus in you. At the same time, one of the worst things that could ever be said about you is that you are an enemy of the cross of Christ. Now, some of us are sitting here today and we're thinking to ourselves, now, wait a minute. <clears throat> That's those people who are Satan worshipers, you know. Uh, That's those people who are uh, antagonistic to the gospel. Those are those people who are persecuting Christians and killing Christians. And I'd say, yeah, they fit in there, but that's not everybody that he's talking about. Now, who are these who are enemies of the cross of Christ? Well, it's this, he identifies them. Read it with me in verse 19. And by the way, this is some very valuable information for you, so pay close attention. Whose end is destruction. So, so as he's talking about these people, he needs to tell them up front, they may look like they're prospering now, but their end is destruction. Uh, there's something that messes with our minds and hearts, and that is the prosperity of the wicked. Do you all know what I'm talking about? When someone who's against God, somebody who, doesn't, who does not submit to God, who just lives their life however they want to live it, and some of them shake their fist in the face of God, and they have more money than you could burn a wet mule. you all know that's a phrase? All right. That they're, they're extremely well. They got three houses, you know. They have boats. They got everything but except a commitment and a consistent relationship with, with Almighty God. And here's how he did it. He says, now, I need to remind you something, though. They may, things may look good for them now, but in the end, what comes? Destruction. You don't want to be part of that. He says, and now, now he identifies them. How do we identify who they are, these enemies of the cross of Christ? <clears throat> he says, whose God is their belly. So they eat whatever they want. They don't watch their carbs. They don't watch their calories. They don't watch. no. Heavens no. And, and I want to just tell you how many times in my life I've heard people say, well, that's just talking about people who overeat. I said, that's ridiculous. Uh, there's a, that's a Jewish idiom. It's a phrase that was said. And here's what it means. Your God is your belly. It means your appetite. Whatever your appetite is for, you let the appetite run the show. Your appetite might be for uh, sexual relations outside of marriage. Your, your appetite might be for 
uh, same gender relationship. Your, your appetite might be for, y'all tracking with me? There's this appetite that comes with the nature of Adam that's, uh, that is not, for, is, listen to me, it's an appetite for things that don't glorify God and are not for our good. And, and by the way, you don't have to work on that. You were born with it. And so was I. And he says, this group of people who are enemies of the cross of Christ, here's how you can identify them. They do whatever they want to do when they want to do it. They don't live the mission. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Hold on. Could there be in this room some among us, some of us, who have lived our lifestyle under the persuasion that we're born again, child of God, follower of Jesus, and yet our lifestyle says that we are, in fact, is anybody still here? An enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. And they said, preacher, wait a minute now. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Matthew 12, 30. I'm talking about Matthew 12 and verse 30. Do you all know what Matthew 12, 30 says? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30. He that's not with me is against me. He that is not gathering harvest is then scattering. Now, notice the picture here. The picture here is of sowing seed, uh, tilling the ground. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a agricultural analogy. All the work that goes into harvesting. By the way, harvesting is not just picking the vegetables, right? Mr. Ronald, you can agree with that. It takes more. Sometimes I get to go to his house and pick a few vegetables that I didn't help, right? But there's a whole lot goes into it. you got to till the ground. You gotta, he says all that actively sowing the seed, all that, discipleship, all of that is part of harvesting souls, people coming into the kingdom. And so he says if you're not actively harvesting in the process of sharing the testimony of Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus, living the mission through all the different areas of ministry in order to promote the gospel and to promote Jesus. He says, if you just go to church, you are in fact scattering the harvest. Now, my question for you tonight would be, whose work is it to scatter the harvest, to keep people from coming to know Jesus? Satan. And now we come back and apply what Paul is saying. And remember the context. This was not necessarily those who were, he's referring in opposition to this particular gathering, was more along the lines of those who were saying Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus old covenant living. In other words, they were, they, their idea was that you could be good enough by your lifestyle to know God. So in essence, you really don't have to have Jesus. Woo, that's an enemy of the cross of Christ. Their lifestyle is marked by, they, they, don't, they know what the Bible says about marriage, but they don't do it God's way. They don't care. Their appetite, whatever feels right. If she does me wrong, I'm going to do her wrong. If, she, if he withholds, I'm going to withhold. Y'all tracking with me? Have mercy. That means in my life, I have in fact lived as a saved child of God as an enemy of the cross of Christ. And I'm going to turn the mirror on you tonight because I love you and I want you to take a stark, quick look. You ready? So have you. So have you. You've, you've gone, man, you go to work. You're a good old boy. You give the shirt off your back. You'll help anybody do anything. But you're not doing anything actively to gather the harvest. And by definition, not from the book of Terry, but from the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God's breath, his spirit, he says, it's a lifestyle that says that I'm against what he did there because I'm not sharing it or participating in the mission that he came to accomplish. Wow, that's heavy, isn't it? I mean, for anybody else besides me, is that heavy for you? We can't waste another day, you guys. We got to wake up. I wish y'all, somebody nod, smile, do something. Let me know you're not asleep. We got to wake up, man. We've, we, we've got to get in the game. Somebody ought to hate me. I mean, we've got to see the urgency here and stop pining away with the trivial pursuit of the American dream and begin to live our lives fully committed and consistent in the mission. And when we do that, oh, have mercy. I can't wait. I'm telling you, I can't wait to see what happens. I'm blown away at the meetings I've had this week with people with missions that are stirring in people's heart and what God's about to do. I just, I'm beside myself. I guess you can tell probably by my rapid speech, all right? So, number one in your notes, under Roman number one, not everybody's living the mission. Did he, listen, Paul made that point clear, didn't he? You stay away from those folk because if you, whoever you hang around, you'll become like. So, don't you hang around people who go to church only and have no statement of mission in how they live their life. All right? So, 
Now, moving on, if we can. Y'all still with me? Everybody okay? Number two, we are, and then he's going to make a point here now in verses 20 and 21, we're different. See what he's doing here? He, he says, uh, here's the goal of my life. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I've not attained yet, but here's what I do. I press on because there's this, Jesus laid a hold of me for this purpose of glorifying his name through my transformed life, and I want to lay hold of that. And he says, now, you have me for an example. You join in that same thing. You join in that same mission. And mark people who are like that. Note them. Make a note of them. And then surround yourself by them. And be that for somebody uh, because who we hang around is who, who we become like. Then he tells them, because you need to know that not everybody is living the mission. Some of us are living our own mission. Next, he says, now, and then he goes back to addressing why we should live this mission, Okay. And he says, uh, and I'm going to make it simple, then I'm going to explain it. We are different. Verses 20 and 21. Four, because, because our citizenship is, somebody help me, in heaven. Now, I want to talk about two things real quickly. There's an A and a B. In verse 20, I want you to notice that what he's saying to them is that we have already been transferred. Notice that he uses a, a past perfect tense verb there. You see it? We have, you notice our citizenship, pop that verse back up there for me, please. Listen to how he says it. We'll come back. He'll show you that again just in a second. I know y'all, some of y'all writing so fast. Say, wait, wait, don't swap it. All right. So listen to what he says. Notice that he, what he does not say. For our citizenship will be in heaven. Is. It's a present perfect tense. It happened back there. It's happening now. It always will be. Uh, my citizenship is in heaven. Again, that's why you have such opposition here. That's why you don't think like everybody else thinks. That's why things bother you that don't bother other people. It's why you don't involve yourself with things everybody else involves themselves. It's why you say, I've got to live the mission with whatever time I've got left here. Uh, and so we're, because why? Because our citizenship, we've already been transferred. And that's what makes the sojourn down here, the journey, difficult, doesn't it? Yes? All right? So, so. We've already been transferred. And by the way, that's comforting to me. Somebody said to me one time as a Christian, hey, man, I, you know, I'm still struggling with smoking cigarettes. Is that going to send me to hell? I said, tell me, about when you, tell me about your salvation. And he walked me through the moment of repentance and what God had done in his life and how Jesus was transforming him little by little. But he still had this, you know, he still just, his cigarettes were just kicking his tail. And he said, is that going to send me to heaven? I brought him to this verse. And I said, listen to me. Uh, we're a work in progress here, but you've already been transferred. Your papers have already been transferred. Your citizenship, you're not in the process of, of passing some citizenship test. Listen to me. How you live your life is not your citizenship test. Jesus' blood, his death and resurrection, that's your citizenship. That's how you got in. And that's what's keeping you in. And, and so we've already been transferred. Now, listen, he said, that's the motivation then for me not to associate myself with people who say they're believers, but life, they live by their own appetite. I need to find good examples of other believers who will help me hold my ground, okay? Help me live the mission. All right, so we've already been transferred. But letter B in verse 21, uh, I want you to see this. We've already been transferred and not yet been transformed. Now, I want you to add a word there for me, okay? I want you to add the word uh, fully transformed. Because I, I, want you to see, I, I want you to see that the fact of the matter is, if you're in Jesus Christ tonight, you have been transformed. But you've not been fully transformed yet. It's what I refer to as that full glorification later coming through the rapture or through death. You guys are, look how sharp you are. So let's look for just a minute, if you will, back in verse 21. Our citizenship, verse 20, is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So now we're going to look at what we looked at at the end of Sunday night's message about one of these days, Jesus is coming back for us. Come on, me and Miss Denise are fired up, son. I'm telling y'all, I'm telling you, hey, we won't have to wear that neck brace anymore, will we, Miss Denise? No more of that junk, no. And I want you to see that one of these days he's coming back for us. So there's a promise. There's a guarantee of God. He can't lie. One of these days he's coming back for us. Now, notice what he's saying here. So, so our citizen, we've already had our citizenship papers have already been transferred. Uh, we are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. We're sojourning down here on our brief stay here. But we are being transformed a little at a time. And it won't be until the end, whether it be Jesus returning in the sky and we go to meet him in the, in the, in the, at the rapture, or we die, okay? So read with me back again in verse number 21. Who will transform. That's the reason I chose that word uh, just to match up with your scripture. Who will transform. Now, when you say will transform, what does that help us to understand? 
What you said, you said it, Blaine, it's to come, right? It's still to come. So he said, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his no angel wings involved. Is anybody with me? Please, please, don't, don't say Aunt Gertrude got her angel wings. If it, listen to me now, I know you may, and I'm not, I don't want to condemn, make you feel bad for if you've ever done that. I just want you to be an informed follower of Jesus. Angels were created angels. They are nowhere close to the level of perfection that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I, that future transforming that's going to happen is that we're not going to get angel wings and float around, you know, with, with halos. We're going to be transformed into the image of Jesus' glorious body. Hallelujah. I can't, I'm telling you, any day now, any day now it's going to happen. Okay, moving on, Roman number two. Boy, time is flying. We've got to learn faster and preach quicker. All right, here we go. Roman number two, Roman number two, chapter four, verse one. Here it is. Hold your ground. There it is. Central in the text. He gives them an imperative. In other words, this is what you do. Based on what I've just explained, this is what you do. And by the way, I love practical imperative. I need you to tell. Don't just tell me, let go and let God. Tell me. And give me some steps to get there, right? And that's what he just did. He gave us some motivation. He told us how uh, to stay, to hold our ground, find people who are uh, focused on the mission, live the mission like Paul, and, and mark those ones who aren't, leave them alone. And then he says in verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, listen to what he tells them. He says, therefore, now remember, therefore means what? Because of what we just read, or in Paul's context, because of what I just wrote. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brother, I need you to see some terms here. Uh, there's a term in the scripture that refers to the children of God, and I love the term because it means, be beloved, it literally means in the Greek, that word literally means to cherish and adore. It's that feeling you have for your son and your daughter. You know the feeling I'm talking about? Especially when they're asleep. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, sometimes it fades a little bit when they're acting up. But, but you, know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. But when they're laying there, you just say, oh, you just want to hug them and snuggle with them. Just, you just that's, that's the feeling he's talking about. Now, isn't it wonderful that that term was used by God the Father of Jesus Christ the Son? This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, then that that term would be transferred to the family of God, brothers and sisters in Jesus. You're the beloved of God. You may not, listen, there are times in your life you don't feel like it. There are a lot of days we don't live up to it. Come on, y'all. Uh, there, We give him reason every day not to be the beloved, but we've, we've failed at every turn. Uh, because his love for us, listen to me, you need to hear this tonight, is unconditional. It's not based on how well you're living the mission. So this is not, listen to me, this, the theme this year, the focus this year of living the mission is not to guilt you in, it's not to, it's not, it's none, it's none of that. It is the fact that we're taking a fresh look at what he has done for us, in us, and therefore what it ought to look like coming through us. Okay, y'all, everybody tracking? All right, let me move on just a little bit. Hold your ground. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my beloved, now he's not through. My beloved, then he calls them my longed for brethren. You know, he, he wasn't with them at the time, but his heart yearned to be with them. Um, you and I ought to have that feeling for one another. Some of y'all say, yeah, but you're sort of hard to get along with. Um, <laughs> it's an let me remind you, it's an unconditional love, right? You can't fake it. You can't buy it. You can't follow 12 steps to attain it. The only way you'll ever, ever have any hope is in first inviting Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life and second, staying near to him. He has to produce it in me and you. So he says, my beloved and long for brother. Then he calls them uh, my joy and my crown. Well, there's a whole sermon right there. Uh, Paul is saying that his uh, gifting by the Holy Spirit to shape other believers uh, is a joy in his life. Let me ask you something. The gift that God's given you to shape other believers, what kind of joy do you find there? Have you ever attempted it? Are you missing out? Listen, could it be? Could it be that... That thing that you know is out there that you've been trying to attain some other way, that unfulfilled feeling, that, that missing of some joy, uh, could it be that it's attached to the fact that you've not yet fully committed what you are good at, what you love doing, how you feel passion uh, to serving the mission and calling people to Jesus and strengthening those who are his? Could it be that? And if so, don't feel like the scum of the earth. That happens to all of us. Instead, feel encouraged to say, God, I'm on a journey this week. I'm going to find out what it is. I want to find out what it is, and then I'm going to dive headlong into it. 
uh, with all that I am. So hold your ground. Chapter 4, verse 1. I'm, boy, it's a whole sermon, isn't it? My joy. And then he calls them my crown. Wouldn't it be weird if somebody, now you, some of y'all have gotten that text from me before. When maybe a thank you has come for something, I'll say it's my joy and crown. Joy meaning I find true joy in seeing God allow me to be some small insignificant part of seeing somebody's life transform more into the image of Jesus. Oh, it's a thrill. And I can't tell you how exciting it is until you get about doing it. But then the, the, the crown part of that is what it, the word, the term there in the Greek is a term for achievement. You, when you win the race, you get the crown. It was a wreath at that time. You know, weird, not, not a crown like what you and I have probably envisioned. But you put that crown on because the person has worked. They've, they've trained. They've ran. They've uh, adjusted their diet. Uh, they've committed. They've disciplined themselves. And they've run the race. And now they're receiving what? Crown. It's, it's a word that lends itself to accomplishment. So my question for you tonight is, what makes you feel accomplished? What is it that when you, when you go about doing it, you feel accomplished? Some of us would say cutting the grass. How many of you would say that when you look at the yard, it needs to be cut, and you cut the grass, when you get through and you look at it, now maybe not while you're doing it, but when you get through and you've blown off or swept and you, you look, and how many of you feel accomplished when you, when you do that? Any of you? All right, yeah, that's a, that's a, a wonderful feeling. How many of us are missing that on the spiritual level because we're not investing our gift into the mission? And, and when I say that to you, you know who's missing out there? We are. You say, who us? All of us. Meaning that your gifting adds value and effectiveness to the body. The hand needs the fingers, right, and all the parts to that. And the body needs the arm. I mean, we're all necessary. Every part of us are necessary. But also... But also the feeling of fulfillment and accomplishment when we surrender our lives and what we're good at doing, God takes it, blesses it, breathes on it, and brings somebody into the kingdom or encourages somebody who has drifted away. It's unbelievable the feeling of accomplishment when God uses you in such a way. So don't miss out on that anymore. Don't miss out on that anymore. Okay, I'm trying to hurry. Uh, hold your ground. I gotta do, I'm going to mention some things rapid fire because we've run out of time. Is that okay? You're going to fill your blanks in. Because if I don't, y'all look at all the, some of y'all look at them blanks, you ain't heard a thing. I said, you like, got to hurry up, preacher, because i got to fill these blanks in. Number one, all right, listen, it's not about the blanks, okay? It's about getting this message into our heart, all right? So here we go, quickly, rapid fire. Number one, under Roman number two, there's some st strict instruction he's going to give them now about, so he says, to, oh, I didn't tell you what, the holy ground. My joy and crown, so here's the word, stand fast in the Lord. That means hold your ground. Stay on the mission. Press on toward the goal. Don't shrink back. Don't give up. Don't sit down. Don't start walking when you need to be running to win. Uh, you see the instruction there? He's, he's challenging, encouraging them to keep going and to go full speed and to run to win. And, and, and he says, stand, don't get pushed around by circumstances. Don't get pushed around by hard times. Don't get pushed around by mean-spirited people. Church, or I could just give you a whole long list. He said, don't get pushed around. Stay on task. Hold your ground on the mission. Have I made that clear? i got to move on. All right, how, now, then he gives them some practical ways to do it. And so I'm just going to say to you right now, I'm thankful to God because I get fired up. I hear, yeah, stand fast. Hold my ground. Hallelujah. Give me a shirt. Write it on there. Hold your ground. And then, I'm, and then, and then we leave out of here, and I'm like, okay, how do I do that? You ever do that? So he doesn't leave us there. He gives us the how. Number one, get along with each other. One way you're going to stay on task and hold your ground is to get along with each other. Do you know that? Do you know one of the single greatest contradictions to the gospel of Jesus Christ is two believers at odds with each other? You said, preacher, how do you think you could say such a thing as that, John 17? You said, what about John 17? That's the Lord's Prayer. You mean hallowed be thy name? No, no, no. I mean the Lord's Prayer. Not the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer. The seven, chapter 17 of John, he prays the whole prayer. That's the Lord. He prayed that prayer. It's the Lord's Prayer. In that prayer, he prays that we would be one. And that by our unity, the world would know that God sent Jesus. So when we flip that, if we are at odds with each other, we give the unbeliever legal grounds to say God did not send Jesus to the world to redeem mankind. Single greatest contradiction to the gospel. When two people who do not deserve forgiveness, who do not deserve to be part of the kingdom, who do not deserve to get to put their hands to the work of God, a holy work, the mission, 
are at odds with each other about some things. So there are two here, Iodia and Syntyche. Now listen, you may not pronounce it that way. That's okay. All right? I'm not going to grade you on it. You don't grade me on it. Uh, we could call them uh, Patty and Sally, you know. It, it doesn't matter. That's not the point. The point is that there are two ladies here who are, what are they? At odds. How do you know that? He, How is he correcting them? Agree with each other. Get together. Get of the same mind. You've got a mission to accomplish, okay? So uh, can you imagine if we were sitting down, all right, and we say, hey, everybody meet up. We're going to meet up Wednesday night, 630 meet up. We've got a letter from the Apostle Paul. We all get in here in a circle, you know, and we're excited, man. It came straight from heaven, from the Holy Spirit through Paul, and we break that seal open, and we unroll that scroll, and we start reading, and he's giving us his thank you, and he's giving us his encouragement. He's telling us he's living the mission. He's not perfect. He's not talking down to us, but he's challenging us to follow his example and find people, and he's just encouraging. And all of a sudden, we're all reading, and, you know, uh, you know, the names in there are maybe Matt and Britt, you know, and Matt and Britt are here, and we're reading, and all of a sudden, we're reading, and all of a sudden, we say, oh, and Matt and Britt, y'all get along. Whoa, that gets awkward. Would you all agree with me? Of the whole group, we're reading a letter from, the, from God through Paul, and all of a sudden our name just got called out. And what was the thing that got their name called out? They were at odds with each other. Don't you for a second think that God overlooks disunity between you and another believer. He never will. He'll never overlook it. It grieves the Holy Spirit of God. And without the Holy Spirit of God participating actively in the mission, we're dead in the water. So, so uh, if you are at odds with somebody, before you get fully invested in the mission, you need to live your gift at the altar, the gift of good intentions. Find that person. Apologize, even if you were right. Because the kingdom calls and the mission of God is much more important than our pride and our is anybody still out there? Uh, because, listen, toe-to-toe, we can't accomplish the mission. We're distracted. We're, we're frustrating one another. But when we get shoulder-to-shoulder, side-by-side, headed in the same direction, I'm telling you, I I'm, I'm find myself laying in the bed thinking about, God, all that you're doing, you're scaring me in a good way. What is this year going to look like? What is this year going to look like? Y- y'all sense a stirring of the Spirit? Uh, if you were here at, at worship this last week, man, you could just feel it at 8, 8.30 and then 10, 15, not a seat in the play. I mean, it's, and people joining, gathering, with the, wanting to, God's calling them to be a part of something, and people being saved. I'm telling you, uh, if we get on mission, there's no telling what he's going to do. But we'll have to be unified. So we've got to get along with each other, all right? We've got to get along. <clears throat> Number two, all right? And by the way, you see in your notes there, we cannot live the mission toe-to-toe. We can shoulder to shoulder, right? Number two, help each other. I'm going to go a little quicker now, okay, because I needed to hang out right there because, well, sometimes we're at odds with each other. Verse 3, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. All the workers, all the workers. You say, which workers? The nursery workers? Yes. The Bible teachers? Yes. The pastor? Yes. Uh, Those who are going out with the homeless? Yes. Uh, Men's ministry? Yes. Um, uh, Hope Outdoors that ministers to the, uh, those with special needs through the outdoors, sharing the love of Christ. Yes. Uh, help those laborers. Why? Because that's what we all are. It's all of us. And there are going to be days we get tired and days we get distracted and days when sin drags us away, days when the enemy dangles a little bait and we head off in a different direction, days when we get preoccupied with our hobbies over the mission. And we're going to need each other there to say, come on, man, come on, come on, follow my example. Come on, let's go shoulder to shoulder. I need you. You need me. Come on, let's do this thing. And we got to help each other. Hey, what do you need? How can I help you do what God's called you to do? Can I pray for you? Something I can get for you as you're serving. You see what he's saying there? We need each other's help to continue on. Consistent in the mission. How? we got to get along with each other. we got to help each other. Number three, verse number four, we have to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Where do you find your joy? What fires you up? What do you have to do to find happiness? Is it a hunt? Is it a race? Is it a paycheck? Is it, what is it? What is it? Where do you find your joy? So he's telling them if they're going to be consistent, they're going to follow his example to press on to lay hold of that, that thing that, that Christ laid hold of him for, living the mission, fully glorified, a glorified by, by a life that glorifies him. Then he says in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. When should we rejoice in the Lord? Always. That means that when you have that flat tire, rejoice. 
you know, when you, when you get that diagnosis, rejoice. Someone asked me one time, how in the world, that's the most ridiculous thing, how can I do that? I said, because all this here is temporary, every bit of it. So really, it's a faith issue. Wouldn't you agree? It's a faith issue. Do I believe this is temporary? Do I believe I'm, this is going to be this way forever? Do I believe that God can change it here, but will ultimately one day change it there? And so we have to ask ourselves, all right, so, so rejoice in the Lord. Now, let me, notice in your notes I wrote, not in your safety, not in my comfort, not in my pleasure, because all those things are fleeting. In an instant, your safety can be compromised. Somebody amen. You think sitting in your house, I, I, I hear people all the time, you know, they talk about, well, you know, I wasn't really worried about the weather because I was in a, you know, I got a brick house and this and that. <laughs> and I say, my friend, have you ever seen what happens when a tornado squares up a brick house? It'll flatten that thing. They can't find your bricks. You think you're safe? Safety, comfort, and pleasure can be compromised in the blink of an eye. So if you're finding joy there, well, it'll be like our joy sometimes up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, not just in that, but not in the healing. If the only joy you'll ever have is if God heals that thing you've been asking him to heal, it, you, you, you may never be healed here. Or in the outcome of a current situation. God, if this will happen, I'll be happy. This will take place. I'll, be, I'll have joy. Well, that's a lack of faith. It's saying, I don't trust you with the outcome. If it doesn't line up with what I think should happen, my joy is going to be up and down, up and down. And, and, so, and so Paul is saying to them, listen, if you're going to be consistent in this mission, you can't hang your joy on all that temporary stuff. You've got to hang your joy where? On the Lord. On the Lord. All right, moving on. See, I told you I was going a little faster. Number four in verse five. Oh, goodness. Be gentle. Quickly, be gentle, write it. I'm going to explain it. Verse 5, let your gentleness be known to all men. And then he throws a little reminder in there. The Lord is at hand. <clears throat> and I'm going to tell you a quick illustration here. Me and my sisters, older two sisters, uh, we were rough growing up. Any of the rest of y'all where your siblings were kind of rough when mom and dad weren't around? I mean, we broke things. We broke each other. Can anybody here? I, I feel like maybe y'all weren't that way. Maybe we were just, any of y'all like that? Yeah, we were rough, man. I mean, we were rough. And so we would be rough, and sometimes we would, we would spill that over into where mom and dad were, but it didn't go long. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Do you, do you see what I'm talking about in this verse? Be gentle with each other. Why? <laughs> Daddy's in the room. You see it? The Lord's close. He's not far off. He's not way up there, and he can't see you being unkind or harsh to somebody. He sees that. He's right there in the room. And I believe, just like I believe, I acted different when I'd see my daddy looking at me with my sisters. You know, we might kick each other under the table where he couldn't see it. But we weren't going to do it out where he could. And, and, and Paul is saying to them, hey, if you're going to be consistent in the mission, you're going to have to be gentle. You're going to have to be gentle. Another place he uses the illustration for believers, men and women, followers of Christ, like a nursing mother. You know, it's funny watching a, a couple with a newborn, isn't it? Uh, guys are a little more rough. If, one of two things I've noticed for guys. Either they won't touch them at all because they're afraid to break them. Or they just flop them around kind of like a rag doll. And you see mamas and grandmamas going, wait, 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 support their hands, support their hands. You know, he's just holding them like one-handed. But uh, you know what? You'll never, find, you'll never see a mama do that. It's like God already has it wired in her. She handles it gently, you know. And so what he's saying is uh, we have to handle people that way. Now, I get sick of that sometimes. I, you ain't going to believe what the preacher at Hickory Ridge said the other night. You ever heard a preacher say he gets sick of being gentle? I'm just being honest with you. Anybody else out here get, get sick sometimes of being gentle? Sometimes I want to run rough shot, you know, but, but it's harmful to the spiritual development of people around me. And so by the, by the help of the Holy Spirit, by having good examples around me to follow, by finding my joy in the Lord, by getting along with others by the help of God, by helping those and other people helping me, I'm able to be gentle with people. That doesn't mean we dance around the truth. It doesn't mean we don't tell the truth. It means we tell the truth in love, but we do it gently. You ever heard the phrase, approach is everything? You still need, you still need to say the truth, but, but do it gently. 
Do it gently. All right, I'm moving on. Number five, we're almost through, y'all. Everybody okay? How late are we? Oh, we're not. We're not. All right, we're good. We're good. Uh, verse number five, accomplish, write this in your notes, accomplish everything by prayer. In your blank, put everything by prayer. Now, where did I get that? Directly from the text. Everything by what? Now, my nature and your nature is everything by the work of our hands. Uh, our nature, you know, I mean, our nature is everything by trying harder. Um, but, but kingdom principle is everything by prayer. I want you to write somewhere there in your outline, prayer is the work. I hope you get so sick of hearing me say that, that when you lay down and you say, well, I need to go ahead and, oh, wait, I need to pray first because I hear that rascal say all the time, prayer is the work. Before you put your hands to it, before you put your feet to it, before you put whatever to it, where should we begin? In prayer. Talking to God. Somebody say, I don't know what that means. It just means talking to God and listening to God. Well, how do I pray? Just talk to him. Adore him. Confess to him things in your life that are there. Thank him, right? AC, there's an axe across it. Acknowledge, right? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. What is that fancy word? Just my supply. God, I need you too. Intercession. Lord, I'm praying so-and-so needs you too. You see how that works? It's not a hard thing. It's a, it's a simple thing. Accomplish everything. Listen to verse 6. Here it is. Uh, be anxious for nothing. Now, when you hear the first part of that phrase, if there was nothing else after that, that would frustrate me. If, if I just heard Paul say, hey, don't be anxious, I'm like, well, that sounds great. But have you been to earth? Have you met human beings? Yeah. But he says, be anxious for nothing. And then he says, here's how you do it. I'm so thankful for practical instruction. Here's how you do it. Listen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, here it is, by everything by prayer. There's the the instruction. Everything by prayer. How do I keep from being anxious? I accomplish everything by prayer. And supplication. You just learned what that fancy word means. It means to what? Supply. Just remember, that's easy. Supplication, supply. You almost see it in there, right? S-U-P-P-L, right? Supply. So everything, if you need it, what should you do? Ask, pray, ask God for it. Matter of fact, Scripture says you have not because you you guys know your Bible. You ask not. Supplication. Oh, and a way to avoid anxiousness is everything by prayer, asking God for my supply, and, and not just asking but trusting him for it, and coupling that, okay, with thanksgiving. God, thank you for the shoes on my feet. God, thank you for my socks. I hate wearing shoes without socks. And I'm thankful, God, that I have socks. And God, thank you that, and I'm not going to say flavor of deodorant because you always make fun of me. I get to wear the scent of deodorant that I like. I got, see, you've worked on me enough, I finally got it. Scent of your deodorant. that I get to pick my scent out. When's the last time you said, God, thank you for the kind of deodorant that I wear, and I'm able to get it? God, thank you for the toothpaste. God, thank you for roof over my head. Thank you for a comfortable bed to sleep in. God, thank you for a church where I can grow and I can connect and I can understand that I'm not perfect and not try to play games, but I can really go and be a part of something and, and be involved in your purpose. God, thank you for people, even the difficult ones, because they show me my need to pray so I won't be anxious. Yeah. So Thanksgiving, I could go on, but I won't. Thanksgiving, all right? And he says, after that, making, letting your request be made known to God. And he says, after verse 6, so we accomplish everything by prayer. And then finally, Roman number 3, verse number 7, we are going to finish this thing. Enjoy the guarding of God's peace. Guarding. Not garden. Guarding. Enjoy the guarding of God's peace. Let me say something to you. When God's peace guards your heart and mind, people will think you're crazy. They'll say something like this to you, JB. They'll say, why, JB, why aren't, you, why aren't you anxious? Look what you got going on. Oh, you know, I'm just not worried about it. I'm trusting God. I've been praying about it. I'm trusting God. They'll think you're crazy. I have people say to me sometimes, you act like you don't care. Oh, it's not that. It's just that I know that my worry is not going to change it, so I'm just going to pray and ask God for the supply and thank him for all the proof he's put in my life, and I'm just going to keep living today. Uh, you see, you, do, you, do you see the principle there? See it in verse 7? 
if, if these things are part of your journey, then verse, if you do everything by prayer, and there's more specific there, verse 7, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That all understanding, people won't understand it. They won't understand it. think you're crazy. They'll say something like this to you. Are you taking medication? Well, I mean, I took some Tylenol yesterday. What do you mean? Well, you ought to be, I mean, you got a lot going on. You ought to be a nervous wreck. Oh, no, I'm not in control of that. I trust the one who redeemed me and set me free. I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I committed to him until that day. L- listen to this thing. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard. See the word? That's an active verb. Guarding. I played guard at Mississippi College. We guard it, right? There's a, there's a protecting factor. If you could, in your mind, see the Spirit of God with a shield uh, blocking the enemy's attacks in your mind that wants to lure you into anxiousness. Worry, right? You ever, you ever say, I'm a nervous wreck? That's what God wants to guard you from. And if, we'll, if, we, if those things, if everything by prayer, we'll get to enjoy. By the way, you can't do that on your own. You ever try to have joy? I mean, try to have peace? Okay, I'm not going to think about it anymore. That works, doesn't it? Got this major situation going on at work or in my marriage or, or in our finances. I'm, not, I'm just not going to think about it anymore. I'm just, gonna, just not going to think about it. How long does that last for you? But when you, everything by prayer, with thanksgiving and supplication, you're talking to God, listening to God. You can see the Holy Spirit with a big shield saying, not today, not today. I'm not letting that seed of fear get in there today. Nope, not today. He's blocking that. He's guarding. And then people are saying, what's wrong with you? Oh, nothing. I mean, are you on medication? No, no, I'm just high on the most high. Well, what's going on with you? Well, I'm not worried about today or tomorrow. I'm just right now just enjoying the fact that I'm saved. And I know that I'm not getting what I deserve, so I'm trusting God with the outcome. I've been talking to him a lot. You've been what? I've been talking. I've been praying a lot. Hey, let me show you a verse. Let me show you a verse in Philippians Chapter 4, let me just, let me get my Bible. And you got your Bible right at work or on your desk, somewhere there in your truck. I know you do. You pull that thing out. So let me show you this verse. And you're able to show them. And there, there is the point of the mission. There's the mission. There's the mission. You live in the mission. Okay, it's that simple. Oh, I'm trying to close. I don't want to, but I'm, some of y'all are like, you better. And the, and the children's servants are saying, I wish he'd hurry up. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. And how he'll do it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know something about God that you may have forgotten. He wants you to enjoy the guarding of your heart and mind. He wants you to enjoy the place of peace. That's why Jesus died. He didn't die to take away all the chaos of the fallen people in a fallen world. He died so that he could get inside me and you. And then as we draw near to him, we would have peace in the midst of all of it. And because there's chaos around us, we have peace in the midst of it. People say, what's wrong with you? And there's a gospel opportunity. We get to live the mission. So tonight, I want to invite you just quickly to bow your head with me. Will you do that? Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a minute. I have had a blast with you all tonight, by the way. Anybody learned anything tonight? I hope, I hope God spoke something you can take with you out of here. And I pray that in this room, he's transformed your heart and part of how you think and You're going to leave out of here different than you were when you came in. Now, we simply give an invitation for you to respond. Here's the question. What will you do based on what you've heard? What are you going to do with it? What's God saying to you? You need to do this tonight. Maybe you're here and the Spirit of God is saying, you've never been born again. And tonight I got you out in the middle of nowhere and I'm whispering to your heart and I'm wooing you. And tonight, by the power of the Spirit and a surrender of your own heart, you you would invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. You'd be saved and from the power of sin, the penalty of sin, you'd have your sins forgiven, pardoned, washed away like they never happened. And God would invite you to his family and accept you as a child and then give you a part in the mission. And I'm telling you, it's a wonderful way to live. It's the only way to live. Or you may be hearing the Spirit saying, you know you've been born again. You remember when you gave your life to me, but you've not been living that mission. You've not been consistent. You were hot this year. You were cold that year. COVID knocked you out. This knocked you out. You got a little older. You know, what have you. Fill in the blank. But God is saying to you, it's time. It's time. He's priming your heart. He's priming your heart. He's saying, it's time. You, listen, you, I'm, I want to say this to you with heads bowed and eyes closed. There are some of you in this room, you know the miserable feeling you've been experiencing because you've not been living the mission. Nobody has to tell you that. 
You know, it's unfulfilled, it's a gnawing. The child of God who knows they've been redeemed cannot just sit and soak. They can't. We're, we, we're miserable that way. So tonight I'm asking you to do this. Would you pray with me that something along these lines? Well, first of all, heads bowed and eyes closed. Just a quick question. Just, just, just between me and you and the, and the Lord. How many of you say that's you? I've been a little bit miserable lately, if I'm honest. I've been a little, I felt a little unfulfilled lately because just slip your hand up. Just hands all over this room. Woo, glory to God. You know what I'm knowing? It doesn't have to, it's not going to be that way for long. That's about to leave your life. And so would you pray this something along these lines from your heart and your words, something like this. Would you pray something like this? God, as Sunday night approaches, I'm going to be listening for your voice. I'm going to clear my schedule and, the, and finding out what my part of the mission is is going to be my excuse to miss something else Sunday night. And I'm praying, I'm going to pray, God, that, you, that when I hear it explained, when I hear it talked about Sunday night, I'll know that your spirit will illuminate it for me. It'll be like, oh, like a fresh breath of air. And I'll know, would you pray something like that? And believe God can do it? That you'll know beyond the shadow of doubt. When you hear it, you're like, oh, that's it, that's it. And you'll have to run to where they are and get the information, and you'll be praying about how you can be a part of it. Maybe you're here tonight and you're tired. You've been living the mission. You've been living it full speed on head. And, 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 and maybe the Lord is saying to you, it's time for you to narrow the focus. Y- y'all know what I'm talking about? S- somebody in here, possibly you're doing 10 missions. And because of that, you're not really effective in any of them. And so maybe the Spirit of God is saying to you, it's time for you to narrow that down so that you can be very effective for the glory of God in one particular area. Maybe that's you. Maybe God's saying to you that you're, you need to be a part of this gathering. This is, what, this, this is what you've been looking for. God's stirred your heart. He got you here tonight. And, and tonight you need to say, hey, this is where I belong. I want to be a part of this gathering. Maybe you have trusted in Jesus, confessed Him as Lord, but never followed through in baptism. Maybe tonight God's stirring, hey, it's time for you to go public. What? Yeah, baptism's going public. It's going public. I've, I've been born again. I embodied Jesus, but I've never, I've never been back. Never, I've never gone public. And God would stir your heart in that way now. I, I'm going to say this. Uh, Shane and Dawn are going to come and help me at the altar. They're going to make their way down. Where is Johnny? Johnny's going to come and help me, if you will, on one side. Shane and Dawn will be on the other. Uh, ladies, if you need somebody to pray with you, Dawn would love to do that. If you've got something on your heart tonight, if you want to come to one of these men and say, hey, would you pray for me that I'll hear from God this week, then please do. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, when we stand to our feet, we lift our voices that whatever your Spirit's saying, we'll just do it. We'll begin to really learn what it means to be obedient. So, God, please, please move now in mighty power in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, amen. Let's stand together.